30 minutes. It's the message that I preached 19 months ago when we kicked off the story. And uh, for those of you that are with us today, let me catch up really quick. For the last 19 months, we've been preaching our way through the Bible and telling the great stories. Today we are in chapter uh, 36, 35, 35. I missed, so the, the sheet's wrong. Should be 35. Oh, okay. it's 35 there. Mine says 36, so I got the, I got the undone did one. Okay. It's chapter 35, so we've spent at least 35 Sundays doing this amidst everything else. Um, it's been a fun series. It's the longest series I've ever preached in a church. I'm normally a one week, two week, three week, no more than four weeks, and then we're on to another subject. But this has given us the opportunity to start with creation and work our way through the church. Today, this is the last message in the church sub-series on the story. And I have uh, spent some time with Acts chapter 1. Just before Jesus ascends, he has followers on a hillside outside of Jerusalem. And he turns and he commands those listening to him. It's, a, it's, it's the last moments. You've heard me say this before. People, when someone's dying, they put their ear next to the person to hear their last words. And they hold on to those words. I mean, they just... He whispered my name. He told me to marry this person. He said, don't give up. Whatever those... And, and, and the... They're benchmarks. You go the rest of your life because of what you heard in the last moments of the person that you put your ear next to their head and heard them speak. You replay it and replay it and replay it. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 outside of John 3.16 was the first verse I memorized. The first verse that I was taught in Bible camp on Pentecostal distinctives. It was, it was the anchor verse for everything that we believed. I remember in a bunk. I was always on the, the top bunk. Three bunks stacked. <coughs> 24 bunks in a room and there were six rooms with guys. And you got an hour a day to study. And then at the end of the week, on Friday morning, you had to take your Bible course test. And, and there were five classes a day and all of that. And, and the very first verse that I wrote outside of John 3.16 was Acts 1. And the King James, it reads this way. And ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. And you will become witnesses both to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. I've camped on that verse during this whole series on the church. Last night I laid in my bed and said, God, I think I get Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. But my, my understanding of that is from what I was taught at Whitehead Bible Camp when I was nine years old. 
So maybe, just maybe, somewhere between 9 and 56, something could have changed or I should have been empowered with something else. So I sat for hours last night, lights out, and thought about these verses. It was, it was, I don't get these moments often. But here's what I got. You know, Jerusalem, it's that, it's that place that's home. Jerusalem, it's, it's the place that's near you and around you and, and you're familiar with. When Jesus is on the Mount of Ascension, he's looking back over. Looks over, down the side of the Mount of Olives, across the Kidron Valley, back up over it. The eastern gate is there for him to look at. And as he gazes, just before the ascension, he says, Jerusalem. And they all knew it. That's home. That was the spiritual home of everybody there. Jerusalem. Judea was the region that was around. Samaria. Well, that was those people, you know, that were half-breeds. They, they got to look like us and talk like us, but they really weren't like us at all. And the other most parts of the earth. So here's the bottom line for me. As of about 1.15 this morning. Jerusalem is all about language and culture and customs that are the same. We can all look around this morning and go, We are family. <laughs> that's that's kind of easy. Samaria? Well, they speak the same language, but people from Samaria would be people that have a different culture or different customs. You know, I mean, people who live on the east side of Tacoma think and talk differently than the people who live over in the university place. <laughs> and people down in Lakewood talk people differently than those people up in Northeast Dakota. <laughs> Language, words, same. Culture and custom, different. The animals parts of the earth, I travel. I love to travel. 49 countries of the world, I love to travel. But if I don't have somebody with me that speaks the language of the nation I'm going to, I'm really up the creek without a paddle. Because <laughs> you know my, my full grasp on Spanish. Come on, stop! Muy bien, gracias! Hey, no! Done. I understand it that he just said, where's the bathroom? <laughs> you got to know that. <laughs> My problem is I can say it, but then when they tell me where it is, I don't know what they said. <laughs> you got to know the language. And when you know the language, then you get the customs. And when you get the customs, then you get an insight into culture. So to go to the othermost parts of the earth with the gospel, you've got to know the language. To get involved in their culture and understand their customs. But that Judea thing, that's the one that I got stuck on. 
Because people in Judea are people who look like us and talk like us and act like us. But their values are different than us. Do you get that? It's people that talk like us and look like us and act like us. But their values are different than us. I'm going to give you an example. The cashier at Safeway. She talks like you, or he talks like you. She looks like you, he looks like you. They act like you, you're buying the same food. Right? But there's an eternal great divide that we must, as the church, get a hold of. That if that clerk doesn't know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior, eternity is an eternity without Jesus. That's a pretty sobering thought. Your bank teller, your next door neighbor, act like you, look like you, talk like you, but their values are different than yours. The church was given a command. The command was, when you are endued with power, you become a witness. Preached a message just a couple weeks ago on being an ambassador. The ambassador is one who represents with all the authority, power invested in them by the government that they represent. They are an ambassador of that country. They carry the weight and the word of the leader and the form of government that they represent. Everything they do, their conduct, their words, everything is put in light of who they represent. You're an ambassador. Everything you do say is put in light of who you represent. I'm going to preach a message in a few weeks and it's going to be entitled Know the Label, but are you living the brand? How many of you would say you're a Christian? It's one of the ugliest words of the 21st century. Because it carries with it all of the mayhem of the last 2,000 years of everybody who named themselves to be a Christian but they ended up being a hypocrite. So when you say you're a Christian, you're saying you're just like... Oh, who you're supposed to be saying you're just like? You're supposed to be just like Jesus. Jesus said, when you get filled with my power, you'll become a witness for me. That means you represent me. That your words speak for me. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus sends out 72. I want to read this. I don't often read 20 verses, but the story is complete, and so you've got to hear it. Luke chapter 10, verse 1. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them out two by two. Now get the next phrase. He sent them out ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. Just for the sake of understanding for a minute... I believe Jesus Christ is coming again. I believe that He is the soon coming King. I don't have the day, the time, or the hour, but Jesus is coming. As, as much as the Word of God says that the church is to be endued with power, Jesus ascends, and after that, the, 
the angels say, as you have seen him go, so are you going to see him come again. Jesus is coming again. So we have been sent out ahead of him every place he's going to go. We are no different than the 72 of Luke chapter 10. He sends them out to every place he's going to go. And then there's a quote. Jesus told them, the harvest is plentiful, the workers few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore. The word therefore, what's it there for? Find out why it's there. So why is it there? To send out workers into the harvest field. Go! I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. That's a comforting thought. Do not take a purse, a bag, or sandals, and do not greet anyone on the road. I'm just reading you the word. When you enter a house, first say peace to this house. If a man of peace is there, your peace will rest on him. If not, it will return to you. Stay in the house, eat and drink whatever they give you. For the workers deserve his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick who are there and tell them the kingdom of God is near you. But when you enter a town and are not welcome, go into the street and say, even the dust of our town that sticks to our feet, we wipe off against you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God is near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for the town that you've just walked away from. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, to Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, you will be lifted up to the skies. No, you will go down to the depths. He who listens to you listens to me. He who rejects you rejects me. But he who rejects me rejects him who sent me. Verse 17, the 72 returned with joy and said, Lord. Now obviously there's a time gap in here because now they're coming back. They've gone out, they've done, now they're coming back. Lord, the demons submit to us in your name. I saw Satan fall like the lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. However, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. You want to go back for a minute and talk about those towns. Sodom is the town of perversion. Sodom is the town of perversion. Chorazin? Chorazin is the town of hypocrites. Bethsaida? That's the town of miracles and rejection. Those three little towns sit in the northern part of Israel. They sit off of the Sea of Galilee and they make what Bible scholars call the Evangelical Triangle. It's Capernaum and Bethsaida and they meet at Tyre. Capernaum was Jesus' hometown. Bethsaida is where the feeding of the 5,000 took place. Chorazin, it, it's, it's where Jesus walked through on a regular basis. And he picks the three of them out. Chorazin is one of only two towns that Jesus actually curses. 
Tyre is the other one. But that's in Lebanon. He goes there and heals. As a matter of fact, he heals a Gentile there. The problem is that no matter even if Jesus was there in person, people didn't accept him and what he did and who he was. So the whole point of this passage of Scripture is saying, if you're around hypocrites, if you're around people that reject, you can perform miracles in front of them. And they will not accept. And if they don't accept, do you know who they're rejecting? They're not rejecting you, they're rejecting Jesus. But on top of Jesus, Jesus says that they reject Him. If they reject you and me, then they also reject my Father in Heaven. And it will be better on that day for places that were burned to the ground and are desolate and destroyed than it will be for them. That, that's, a, that's a boatload of stuff. That's a huge weight. That's an unbelievable... I've got to absorb all of this. What you have to absorb is there are people around you that you need to impress with the gospel. You need to live in such a way that they're either going to fully embrace you or fully reject you. And when they reject you, they are rejecting you. They're rejecting Jesus. And they're rejecting the Father that sent Him. Because this isn't a game. Isn't it great when we get to come to church? we got air conditioning. Me and the board says we're prayer conditioned. Thank you. <laughs> Is that special? I mean, we're talking this morning about the greatest divide of humanity. It's the divide between heaven and hell. And you and how you live and what you say and where you go and who you go with and what you do. You are the ambassador, the representative of Jesus. When you go to the grocery store, when you walk into the bank, when you pay your light bill, when you talk on the phone, when you talk to your neighbor. Everybody, this is, this is like pretty hard stuff. What I really wanted to talk about this morning was how Jesus sent them. Jesus must have had a way, so I'm just going to give you the Jesus model really quick. If you don't have an outline, we've got outlines for you. Raise your hand, we'll get you an outline of the message and where we're going in the Word of God this morning. I want to talk about people that are so close and yet so far. People that have the same language and the same opportunities. People that are around you, but, but their value system is so, so significantly different that they end up rejecting anything about you. Jesus sent people to go be among people, not to be about them, not to be around them. He, he sent people to be among them. That means that you've got to create relationships on a common ground, but in so doing, when you talk about Jesus, you talk about Jesus because you're in love with Him. The song that we sang this morning, Jesus, Lover of My Soul, it wasn't just a random, oh, that was a nice song to sing. It, it had a lot to do with this message. That we need to be so in love with Jesus that when we talk, we talk about Him naturally. That when, we, when we're talking about Jesus, we're not talking about, oh, you know, the really good guy upstairs. 
That sounds like the world. Oh, but you know, hey, Pastor, we, we, I, I, I really want to talk about Jesus. I mean, it's just easier to talk about the, uh, the, the big white guy upstairs with the long beard. What if every time I went and talked to Roy, he just said, hey, bald guy. Bald guy that's a really good carpenter. Bald guy that's a really good carpenter and also works with steel. Bald guy that's a really good carpenter and works with steel, and oh, by the way, he's got a dog that doesn't like me. <laughs> and I never used Roy's name once. Eventually, Roy would go, he knows about me, but he really doesn't know me. Because Roy may have all of those things in his life, but Roy is known by a name. Walking steel, known by a name. Had a reputation. Well, you know the really good guy up there in the sky? We're going to see someday the sweet by the bar? Jesus sent people to be among them so that they had relationship with them. Judea is all about relationship. It's relationship with people who talk like you, look like you, act like you, but have different values than you. If it takes a while to lead somebody to Jesus that's in your own household in Jerusalem... And you know how hard some of you have worked on presenting Christ to people in your own family. How dare you think that you should put any less of an investment in people that have a different value system than you but are in need of Jesus just as much. Romans chapter 10, verse 5. It's the portion of Scripture where Paul writes about... People having the Word of God. And how will the Word of God end up impacting them? How will they know? Who will go? How will they know unless they are sent? Jesus sent them to be faithful. He sent them to be among them to create a relationship. Do you notice he said, don't take money? Don't take your night bag? Don't talk to anybody on your way? When you get there, greet them and give them peace. And if they return the peace, you got a good deal going. But don't move from house to house. Don't get crazy. Don't be a house hopper. Go and create a relationship. And in that relationship, they will come to a point where they either accept you, and when they accept you, they'll accept me, or they will reject you. And when that happens, they haven't rejected you, and they haven't rejected me. They have ultimately rejected Father who sent me. That's the word. Just saying. That's page one. Look at that for a minute. He said, don't take any money. Why? Because he never wanted the gospel to be wrapped up in what people got. He wanted the gospel to be wrapped up in what people presented. 
Don't take the bad, don't talk. He said they were to rec- Listen to this for a second. I, I want to read this phrase. That when you go, you are to represent Jesus so much that if he is rejected in you, then they are literally rejecting and sending Jesus out the door. See, these people showed up with a message, right? But they had more than a message. They had the gospel in them, so they lived it. Hypocrites have a great language, and they have nothing to back it up. They really brought themselves. Wow. When you're on the uh, floor at your work, and a word that shouldn't be spoken behind closed doors, let alone out in public, comes out of your mouth. Is it looked at like, oh, no big deal, say it all the time? Or is it such an aghassing moment that go, They brought themselves, and they themselves were wrapped up in the message. And the message was that Jesus is coming. They went ahead of him, said he's coming, and then they were given authority to heal the sick. They were given authority to eat whatever was put before them. They were given authority to stand in the word of God and be such a representative that they were embraced or rejected. It's like going to the Senate. We either want an upvote or a downvote, but no more of this wishy-washy stuff. See, you can all quote John 3.16. Probably even quote John 1.1. 1, 1. In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God. And the Word was God. But God's model is that verse 14 of John chapter 1. And the Word became flesh and lived among us. If you want to affect people with the Gospel, you've got to live among them. Can you imagine? God saying, really cool thing going on down there. I just don't think my son should go right now. Suppose God were to call us to reach out to the soccer community. I mean, with the Sounders, there's this huge volume of people. A mass of people. I don't know if you drove by this morning, but yesterday I drove around my neighborhood and there are soccer fields everywhere. Some of them are being used for football at one point of the day and soccer the other part of the day. And little kids all the way up. Everybody's dreaming of being out in front of thousands of people. Hear the roar. Suppose God were to call us to the soccer community. He was to call us to uh, do something dramatic instead of driving by the fields to go and be on the fields. Just saying. It would cost you a Saturday and a Sunday once in a while. Well, suppose we set up a, a meeting group and said, okay, we're going to reach soccer folks. 
We're going to set aside some money in the budget this year and we're going to reach soccer folks. As a matter of fact, we're going to have a soccer Sunday. And we're going to invite everybody that plays on soccer teams in the area to come to soccer Sunday. When the day was done, four extra people came. So we go back and say, no, 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 we, well, here's what we need to do. We, we need to take and put tracks on all the windows parked in all of those cars and all of those parking lots on Saturday and Sunday for the next six months. And we're going to hand out, at every soccer game, we're going to hand out tracks and advertisement about the next soccer Sunday. And we get cursed and we get all kinds of other things and the next time we get two people instead of four. But we're still burdened and we want to reach soccer people. What if we bought the gear, acquired a coach, and started sending people to join the soccer teams? And everybody that was on the team got prayed for and then sent out with one other person to go with them in their soccer adventure. People from the church would show up to see the, the kids and the Teenagers and the young men and young women playing soccer. And we'd be sitting in the stands and we'd be showing people how to win graciously and lose graciously. Just saying. And along the way, one of those kids made it to a national team. And then they get to go to the Olympics. And on that day when they're playing for the gold, your house becomes a center for everybody in the community to come and watch the kid who came from your church who made it to the soccer team playing for the gold in the Olympics. And you would have accomplished more and had a greater witness because they would know you because you were among them than if you had tried to just show up and say, here's the religious thing and then turn around and walk away. <coughs> Jesus also sent them two by two. He sent them out in pairs. He sent them out for accountability. I read a verse last night that God has set eternity in the heart of every man. It's Ephesians chapter 3. God has set eternity in the heart of every man. That means that on Friday afternoons when people come and they're sitting out there, and this week we had close to 150 families, do the math on that, that's about 670 people that we served in two hours. Every person out there, God set in their hearts eternity. Why do we do the food bank eternity? Why have we got now 19 sites and 19 partners eternity? Why is it that we're trying to raise $75,000 to keep it all going eternity? God is set in the heart of every man eternity. But you're not going to go unless somebody goes with you. I, I know that. It's too hard to go alone. 
Elijah himself, you know, this great man of God finds himself out underneath the tree all by himself. And he needs a companion. So Elijah gets an Elisha. You, you hear about the story of three Hebrew boys that are being taken from the southern kingdom and put over in Babylon. And they've got to learn a new language and new customs and all of those things. Any one of them would not have had the strength and the power to look at the king and say, Oh, king, live forever. Whatever you do, you can do. They probably would have succumbed, but because there was more than one and they had a unit, they could stand against it. They get thrown in the fiery furnace. They start walking around. <laughs> this, this power of going to Judea with somebody else. It's for accountability. It's for encouragement. It's for when one's weak, the other is strong. A knife can't sharpen itself. And Jesus finally sends them out in the power of his spirit. The command when you're full of the spirit is that you love people. And you listen to people. You look at the torment and the torture and the demons in their life and you have enough of the Spirit of God resident and available to you. You say, I've never done this before. It doesn't make any difference. You have enough of the Spirit of God available to you to look at any demon and cast the demon away. How do I do that? Because it's not about you. It is about Him. Well, I don't know if Jesus is strong enough to do that. Really? torment before I showed up. The worst I can do is pray and nothing happens. But by the miraculous dancing hand of God, if something does happen and they are released and the demons are cast and they are healed, it's, it's one of those moments where they went leaping and shouting and praising God. The guy was late when before they showed up and say, silver and gold have we none, but such as we have, we give to you in the name of Jesus arise. The guy that everybody's known as the layman by the gate beautiful is now the guy praising God inside the temple that he hasn't been able to go to because he was lame and couldn't and he wasn't clean enough to get there. They went out two by two and came back with miraculous stories of victory. But be careful when you show up. Do you know what I did? <laughs> Jesus said, don't get caught up in what was done, get caught up in that their names are not written in the book of life because it's always about eternity. That's right. It's not about that they got released today. It's about their name was written in the book of life and eternity is now theirs with Jesus. The greatest gift we have to give is Jesus. Life today abundantly and eternal life with Him, that's a long time. We're called to be filled with the Spirit. I got a question. It's a simple one. Who do you know right now in, in your world that, that talks like you, walks like you, acts like you, but has a different value system than you? Got anybody? Okay, you got somebody. Who do you know that would go with you so that you could have a relationship with them 
to be among them that would keep you honest in the relationship and keep you honest before God and keep your witness strong. Don't go alone. Find somebody to go with you. And mark them as an amongst. I'm going to go be among them. If you call me on Sunday morning and say, Hey, Pastor Danny, I'm not going to be in church today because I'm my target person. I, I, I need some help. And somebody's going to go with me. And I'm going to spend the day with them. I will gladly pray over you and anoint you and send you out and expect the report that Jesus got lifted up all day long. Who do you know? Who's going to go? But the real question is, who will go in the power of the Spirit? You want to go in yourself? I will tell you right now the results are, oh, I got all beat up. I mean, I tried to talk about Jesus. I mean, I talked about the big guy in the sky. I, I said that, you know, there's this ghost guy that'll come along and he'll... <laughs> On the road to Judea. It's people that have a different value system. And you will so influence them with your Jesus. The personal Jesus. The one that did what the song said. He took you from my reclaim. What's my reclaim? He took you from sin. I tell people I've been saved from sin and degradation. Drug, alcohol, wild women, song, all night parties, drugs, uh, needles in my arm, uh, powder up my nose. All of that I got saved from when I was five years old. <laughs> Your Jesus and how he saved you and came to you may be different than how he came to me doesn't make my Jesus any less real than yours and doesn't make yours any less real than mine. Who do you know? Who will go? And ultimately, who will go in the power of the Spirit? Father, in the name of Jesus this morning, I ask that you... Um, Bring into the subjectivity of Holy Spirit every thought and imagination. God, I ask that you fill this room right now with your spirit that is so holy and your spirit that is so filled with power. I ask that you give us a person, a family. You give us the neighbor down the street or the Waiter at Subway, down at BJ's, over at Kentucky Fried Chicken, McDonald's Burger King, the mailman, that next door neighbor. Oh, we talk alike and we look alike, but our values are so different. Uh, I, God, I ask that you give us not only the name and the vision, but now I ask. Uh, that you uh, match us with somebody. You may not be impressed right now to be actively involved with somebody. You may be impressed by the Holy Spirit to be a, a comforter and a helper and a, somebody that's going to come alongside. Those are so vital 
They're put together by Holy Spirit himself. One will plant, one will sow, and one will water. And God will give the increase. So I pray in the name of Jesus. I pray for the eternal divide to be bridged by people that are sent in the power. That the church understands Jerusalem. We get on the road to Judea. We embrace Samaria. And begin to pray, therefore, that the Lord of the harvest will send forth laborers. Fields are white. It's harvest time. Infuse the church with the power of Holy Spirit. What Jesus commanded. Go, tarry in Jerusalem. Till you become endued with power. And then you'll become a witness to me in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the other most parts of the earth. If you've got somebody Holy Spirit is placed in, and you know who it is right now in your Judea, it's going to take some time. It's going to take some work. You know who it is? I want you to stand up. You've got somebody that needs Jesus. I want you to stand up. Yep. Got it. 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 Okay. You may be sitting there and saying, I don't have anybody clear in my mind, but I just sense that I'm supposed to go with somebody. I, I'm going to be their accountability partner. I'm going to be their prayer partner. I'm going to be their encourager. I, I feel like I, I may not be the front person, but I'll be the side person. And, and I'll take my place equally with the person who's going to go in front. I'll take my place and I'll go with somebody. And you'd stand up. Say, I'll stand. I'll stand. I'll, I'll go with somebody. I'll go with somebody. I'll go with somebody. Father, I pray for teams of evangelists, teams of people that are filled with your spirit who understand that what they have, it's not about silver and gold. It's not about money. It's not about how they dress. It's not about who they know. It's that they know Jesus ultimately. And they're going to speak and talk and walk and act and develop relationships in Jesus. That Jesus gets lifted up. That we become Jesus people. That we become people that are filled with Jesus. And when we get filled with Jesus, then we're filled with power. Power from on high to be a witness. Holy Spirit, fill us now. Fill us now. Fill us with encouragement. Fill us with wisdom. Fill us with power. Fill us with faith to believe. Fill us, fill us, fill us, fill us. Holy Spirit, put your hand on that nozzle in the gas tank. And just fill us, fill us, fill us, fill us with your power. In Jesus' name. Now unto him who was able to keep us. Or present us faultless and blameless on that day through his mercy and his grace. Send us from here now. Filled with the Spirit. Going to Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the othermost parts of the earth. That we are the church alive that our best days are our next days in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless y'all.